Welcome, Awakening Hearts. I'm your host, Denny Van. Today, I'm so excited to be speaking with Jill Lanier. Did I say your last name right, darling? Yes. Awesome. And whereabouts are you? I am in New York City, specifically the Bronx. The Bronx, yes. Mm -hmm. All the Mm -hmm. different parts of New York. Yes, I've been to the Bronx. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been to Chicago? I haven't, no. Yeah. Don't come right now. (laughs) (laughs) Very hot. Right now. No, stay away. (laughs) I am so glad you're here. So I'm just reading through your bio and why you would like to be a guest on our show for Awakening Hearts. And it's to spread the message about the importance of being mindful. Tell us about that. So mindfulness what i like about it is it is something that is um inherent to everybody that they um are born with the ability to do that like everything that you need to be mindful you have you don't have to get elaborate with it or you can you know it's complete choice but it's a a wide spectrum it's also very practical and flexible so you can be very on the surface with it and just deal with, you know, things like stress or what have you, or you can invest more time and effort and get into the mystical aspects of it that only would come with practice, which mindfulness is a practice. So that's one of the things that I like. I like things that are basically simple, but you know, the more you do them, the better you get at them. And, um, again, that you are equipped. And I often liken it to singing, which is everyone is born with a, you know, a voice and can use it. But how um, skilled you get at it is just, again, how far are you going to take it? Are you going to be a professional singer or are you going to sing for your own enjoyment? But the apparatus is already with you. And then it's just refining, refining that um, ability. I love that, learning the skill. And as a musician, I know about tuning an instrument. And our body is no different. Our body is the instrument. And it needs to be in tune. I love that. And tell us more. You mentioned mystical practice. Tell us more about that. So what I what I have found is that when I first started, you know, practicing really formally, it was really interesting to see, oh, you know, this is how you do this. I can do that. And it was very, um, you know, just the general things that you would expect. Like, I'm able to concentrate better. I almost immediately within a month or so, I was sleeping better. Um, so it was things like that. that I was like, oh, wow. But then as I really practiced more and then um, joined different communities, I was able to also experience like, how do you build capacity? How do you uh, get to know about yourself, your relationship to others, how that all fits together? So so those are some of the more esoteric things where, where you find these strengths that are inside, but like we forget how to tap into that. Like we're so busy, busy, busy rushing. And when you slow down, and just even pause, like that's incredibly restorative and gets you on the way. So that's kind of what I mean. It, it, you know, it's a beautiful journey. Not everyone necessarily chooses to take that. But if you do, it's it's very, I think, very rewarding and well worth the effort to, um, you know, get to get to that. 
I love what you said about practice more. It's a mystical practice. You practice more. And it it really is a practice. Every day you wake up, say thank you. And now we're going to practice today. You know, because mm-hmm. the role mm-hmm. never ends, right? Until it ends. <laughs> yeah. <Right? laughs> and, you know, as practicing and practicers, we are creatures of habits. So mm-hmm. we are designed for this role of practice and being the mystical uh, practice from the inside, esoterically, right? From the inside out. What does that look like for you on your journey? So for me, I have found that I have, I have built this capacity. Like I really am intrigued by the idea that there are things that are uncomfortable but to learn to sit with those things and to, you know, not necessarily accept them, but to be comfortable enough to be with them long enough to kind of just sort of examine and think, oh, you know, start putting two and two together. Like when this happens, I feel this, but noticing that you're feeling that. And then when you notice that, you can choose, okay, what's going to happen next? Like you may not be able to control like what emotion comes up, but you can make a choice about what your behavior is going to be next. And that choice to me is almost the hidden gem of it because just that little bit of control that you have is like this autonomy. And when you feel like you have some degree of control over what's going on, like that's a stress reducer because so much of our stress is like, I don't have control over this. Like it's just happening to me. But when you feel like you just have that nanometer of a a gap between the feeling and then what you do, that that to me is a very powerful um, mechanism for stress reduction. Now, you might not always choose the best path, but you're making a choice rather than being backed into it and sort of reacting. So that's that's what I like about that. That's what that looks like for me is just recognizing what, what am I feeling in this moment? Um, what am I going to choose to do? Am I going to take the high road or am I going to like, you know, have a meltdown. But again, it's it's me realizing and noticing this is what's going on right now. Yes, awareness. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. I love that you mentioned, you talked about it, you just mentioned the word mechanism, mm-hmm. that it's within, it's within the nervous system. I love that. And the hidden gem. I love that you mentioned that. <laughs> it is. And, you know, we keep looking outside. We're looking over there and we're looking over there. And we're looking over there, but we're not looking where it is, right? Yeah, right? yeah. It's right here. There's no savior. It's right here. Love it. Love it. And I loved when you said, you know, sometimes we have to get uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily accept it but allow yourself to get uncomfortable. And I know I talk with many people, one of their first reactions, it might even be the 80-20 rule. When they get uncomfortable, they're going to turn around and go the other way, right? So what do you do to, even though it might feel uncomfortable, how do you know the difference between, okay, that's uncomfortable, it's, it's not for me, I should go this way, or that's uncomfortable, but I'm still in alignment with it, I still need to go this way. 
So one of the first things I do, and one of the biggest tools that I think anybody can have is the pause. You just take a moment and take a breath, check in, notice what's happening. And then, like I just said before, you choose. So in that time frame, you can get a sense of, is this dangerous like that? I do need to extract myself out of that. Or is this just a feeling I'm having, which is going to propel me to do something that I don't necessarily have. And what I've noticed for myself is so much of how our decisions flow is because this feeling that we haven't examined. And so we're automatically reacting and then taking an action as a result. But when you pause a moment and you're like, huh, this is really me getting upset about this thing over here. Um, again, what am I going to do in response to that? And so that pause, that breath, and the breath serves as an anchor to just give you something to focus on. That is like the most simplest thing that anyone can do anytime. It, and I was thinking about this um, today. It's almost like hydrating, but for the spirit, for that intangible part of us. So taking sips like a breath, you know, throughout your day or noticing when you're getting wound up and you're like, oh, I'm noticing this. Let me pause a minute and step back from that. And so that's a way to notice like I'm stressed out, you know, now the stress might not go away or the source of it, but but you're aware of it. And so you're kind of uh, moderating, you know, your your reaction and it is giving you much more agency to decide like, you know, or, or realize I'm in an irritable state. I have to be mindful that like I could lash out or, you know, do something detrimental, like all of that, but you still feel what you feel. But again, your reaction is, is tempered. Yes. And a lot of empaths and people who kind of pick up on these energies many times as an empath, especially in the beginning, I would just really pick on these energies until I would ask, learn to ask the question is what I'm feeling mine. And if, if I got this opening, it was like a release. It was like a letting go. So you do have to experiment and become aware. All right, this isn't working. This is working. This is not working. Nope. I blew up today. Got to <laughs> not working. You know, so that awareness is crucial because um, what I'm seeing a lot these days is there's just this unawareness around so many beings right that they're completely unaware of the people within close proximity to them so this awareness is so key i love it and choose the pause mm -hmm. yes and so i i kind of do an exercise with people is to just like a lot of times we don't even know what it is like to breathe like one person said, you know, I didn't even have a particularly stressful day, but until I sat with you, I didn't realize I hadn't actually taken a decent breath that whole day. And then once having taken that breath, taken time, it's just amazing, again, how restorative, even five minutes of pausing, um, breathing, noticing, choosing, and then coming back to the breath or then proceeding, like that 
is amazingly restorative. Absolutely. So, so somebody who is like, um, what would be a quick reset breath that, that we can do to get into this, I guess it's a state of mindfulness. Mm -hmm. It's more of awareness. To me, it feels like I could close my eyes and I could be completely aware of my surroundings and I could Mm -hmm. feel this opening. Yes. So it's really as simple as breathing and breathing normally. However you would want to breathe, you could close your eyes. Um, I just, sometimes I'll just stop. I'll close my eyes and then I'll go, hmm. And then I take a moment to notice and and name what is going on. Like, I'll say, oh, I feel nervous. I feel upset. Like, I'll name that. And it's not to solve anything. It's just to notice. This, and what I say is, like, if you're doing a regular sit, what they call being on the cushion, on the cushion is not for solving. On the cushion is for noticing and over time, if you're saying, oh, this seems to be coming up again and again, off the cushion is where you go and say, oh, I'm going to try to do something about that, or I'm going to seek additional support for that, or or whatever it is. But on the cushion is you show up as you are, as you can, and just notice and acknowledge what comes up and then release it and come back. Big part of my particular practice is a lot of visualization. So I create kind of like either avatars or just try to notice what is the quality of that emotion. So sometimes I'll personify it and say, oh, this person, this emotion looks this way, has this fashion sense, wears perfume or cologne or whatever, is short, tall. And then I interact with that because that's a way like, Mindfulness is really just about being attentive. Where are you focusing your attention and noticing where you're putting your attention? So when you kind of either personify or or just think of the qualities of it, is this something that's soft or hard? You know, is it like a rock? Is it like ice? Is it like water? It's a way of channeling your attention in a particular way. So you're still, you're not denying what's come up, but you're just noticing and you're putting a little distance so you can um, consider it. And I have found that that helps put it down to size and make it manageable to deal with. And over time, I have partnered with avatars that were, um, adversaries, but then they've become parts of myself that I can interact with and speak to and encourage. Um, I have what I call my little ones, which are those, like people call them gremlins, but I stopped calling them that. I call them little ones or my leaping lovelies, which they're the ones that are there to try to protect you, but they their mindset is, you know, like a child. So they they tend to over react. And so I talk with them. I say, look, this, it's going to be okay. We're still here. I, you know, we love, we love you. And, you know, I found that that's a way of not denying that I feel nervous about something, but also to, to get them to not interfere. And even though they're trembling inside, um, that I, they let me go forward with the thing that is like scary or intimidating. So this is, again, mindfulness of specific types of emotions that tend to occur 
over and over. So I like I have my work at, um, avatar, which when I get to ruminating about work, I can interact with that. I have my entrepreneurial avatar and when there's challenges with that. So these are all ways that I manage and I'm mindful of the different states and and just sort of um, acknowledging that full range of humanity that we have, that we're not always gung-ho, we can do it, you know, you know, we have fears, we have like that whole range, and we we need to be able to be comfortable with that range and not always having to be, you know, like I know exactly what I'm doing and you know, this and that. So um I think that's helpful. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Very helpful. Yeah, choose the pause. And, you know, and if you can't name the emotion, like I feel this name of emotion, mm -hmm. just notice if your body is tight or relaxed. <laughs> Where in your body? I feel tightness yeah. in my neck. I feel tightness in my shoulders. I feel tightness in my heels, you know, wherever you're feeling, just kind of become aware. I love it. I mean, that's an excellent way to become more mindful. Yeah, for sure. So for our listeners with Awakening Hearts, you know, a lot of uh, people getting in touch with this energy, they're constantly looking for this and looking for that and that new book and that new method and that new this and, and that new that. Mindfulness <laughs> has been around for a long, long time. Yeah. So what what would you suggest to those who have awakening hearts and are looking for that. Hmm. What I would suggest, as I was saying before, we already have what we need and we can extend that, but we can start and just start off simple. Um, you know, sometimes people think they have to sit, oh, I got to sit for 30 minutes, an hour to get anything out of it. Not true. You can start with five minutes, what you what time you have, and still get something out of that. Um, if you want to get more, obviously you have to invest more time and effort, but to get started and to establish the habit, start off simple. Set your, your little timer for five minutes and no matter what happens, how, how distracted you feel or whatever, just go through the time you set and then when you're done, you're done. Um, people think like, oh, I need to clear my head or, or my thoughts. Not true. The fact of the matter is when you have the busy mind, that's the meditation. Like noticing you have busy mind and you're distracted and then coming back. That coming back, that noticing, that's actually the meditation. So when the mind is really busy, that's a good thing because the mind will not stop thinking. The best you can do with the mind is to partner with it, maybe get it to slow the volume down a little bit of the thoughts, but you will never get it to stop thinking. But you can change somewhat the nature and quality of that feeling of distraction. And so you start to build that muscle, do a little bit each day when the pandemic hit. I had had a daily practice that I was pretty consistent with. And then when that happened, it was so scary. I, I couldn't even imagine sitting still enough for any length of time to meditate. And so I just stopped. But then after, you know, long about in the summer, I got back to it. But I didn't try to just jump back into what I'd been doing. I started with five minutes, built that up to 10. And then 
built that back up to, for me, it's about 20 minutes a day that I, I meditate. So start small, build the habit and, you know, do that. Anyone can probably find uh, five minutes. You can do it while you're, you know, waiting for the elevator or, you know, waiting for the light to change or whatever, just, just get started. And if you fall off, look for the next on-ramp back on, um, you know, when you build it into little uh, segments, a lapse is less um, impactful when you say, oh, um, I didn't walk yesterday, but I'm going to walk again tomorrow. You know, if you're trying to get a daily walking habit um, and I'm going to walk from here to the to the block, I'm not going to pick up my whole like two mile walk, just break it down into manageable pieces and call that getting back so you don't feel like you um have so much to pull yourself up when when you have a lapse because things will happen you'll get off track and you just have to find the the way on and and that's self-compassion so that um you know being a little bit gentle on yourself knowing that you will fall or lapse but you can get back to it um and all of that is the state of mindfulness of saying you know i i don't have to show up perfect that is what i like about mindfulness and meditation because it's not about being perfect it's about being in the moment again as you are with all your foibles which doesn't mean that you don't have to improve it just means that you need to get through that thing and be aware of that and that all of that shows up love it yes we already have what we need and it's a wonderful integration process to integrate that instead of judge it, run from it, you know, uh, hide from it, <laughs> react to it rather than respond to it. I love it. Um, so where can our listeners find you? So my website is mindfulrenaissance, all one word, dot com. Um, and I'm also a little bit on social media, not, you know, over the top, but um, they can Looks find. Looks like you have your Facebook and Instagram. Do you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's where I, you know, people can find me. Awesome. Very cool. Thank you so much for joining us, Jill. I and I do have it. a newsletter, too, that people might find of interest. But all of that, they can find the links to on my website. Definitely. And everything. We do have your links. You have a link. You have a link to a freebie. Um, the mindful reset gift. Yes, that is a um, little ebook I put together for um, getting back to your self-care routine. So sometimes we fall off of those and I just have some tips in there about how to think about it, how to get back to it. Just little simple things, very doable. Um, and, uh, you know, just to get back on track. And we always can get back on track. Yeah, because, you know, with with everything and everybody's schedules, shutting down, closing down and all of these changes, our whole schedules, everything was kind of in turmoil. So, yeah, we it's it's a good skill to have to be able to uproot, transition, try and reroute. And one of the ways we reroute is by reestablishing those routines, those habits, because, again, yeah. 
we are those creatures of habit. This, these bodies love ritual and routine, right? Mm-hmm. Love it. Thank you so much. This was a joy. And listeners with Awakening Hearts, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, keep being amazing. And I would love to hear what you loved. Let me know in the comments what you loved. And I want to hear about what you would love more of. And in the meantime, keep being amazing. Thank you.